Good morning. Our reading today is coming from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 16. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and they give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. May the Lord bless this reading. It's a, it's a great Sunday morning. Um, this morning, I'm going to do a couple of things. One of them is preach, and the other one is uh, to pre-preach in the form of a blessing. Because this morning, we have uh, Johnny and Lorena Escamilla with us, with their daughter. And they are going shortly to go to Jordan, where they will be doing uh, mission work. And for those of us who know the Escamillas a lot, and for those of us who know them a little, I want to um, lean into the Beatitudes a little bit because of who they are and what they're about to be doing and the context in which they will be doing it, and then I want us to pray. I want us to uh, note the blesseds. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And those who are willing to give up who they are in this country and in this society in order to join with others in a trying place claim this. Those who mourn over the brokenness of the world and those who mourn over the the death and the conflict of the world but want to take the message of Jesus into that place. Blessed are those who are meek and give up their own pride and their own things in order to join something that is greater than themselves, the very essence of meekness, to join in something greater than yourself, they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are filled with mercy, those who are 
pure in heart. This is always the one nobody wants to claim. Those who are peacemakers and taking the gospel of peace into a troubled part of the world, those who are willing to be persecuted because of righteousness, for them it's the kingdom of God. And this morning I would like to to say that as Johnny and Lorena go to Jordan, they go wearing the blessings of the Beatitudes around them. That is a lot to claim for yourself, but it is not a lot for us to claim for them. That this is the model of their life. So, uh, we have already had people who've gathered around today to pray, but we want to pray again. So I'm going to walk back here uh, where they are, and, and we're going to, to stand, and we're going to all turn and face where they are, and we're going to pray again. All right? Right here. Y'all want to come out here? That's good. I guess if anybody wanted to come here in the aisle, that would be a good thing to do. Uh, if you don't have to, that's good. One of the things that was great about this is that uh, in order to help them come, the elders of UA tapped into some designated funds, some funds given by some people years ago for the spread of the gospel and and were able to give uh, to them a lump sum of $12,000. Because somebody a long time ago gave that money to the church for this purpose. There's going to be some continuing monthly support. But but some of you who wonder, does any of that money ever go anywhere? Well, it has been poured out on them for the benefit and the glory of the Lord. So, um, let's pray. Dear Father, when we hear the word that names the country to which they go, Jordan. We know that this country uh, borders uh, on the Jordan River, borders the, the Holy Land. This is a place that John the Baptist knew. This is the place where people of Israel live. This is a place that even now um, is, is very important. And we know that this country is one of the, the, the sweetest in spirit of all the, the, the Muslim countries. We know that there are people in this land who love you and have been followers of Jesus for a long time. We know that there are refugees in Jordan, even now, who are so dislocated and so upset in their life that they need, they need comfort, they need peace, they need a good and, and into this land, uh, Johnny and, and Lorena will come uh, bearing the message of the love and the mercy of Jesus. This is not a, a, a mission of aggression. This is not a mission of arrogance. This is not a mission of Americanized culture. This is a, a story of the love of God. So, Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will quicken in them their facility for language. That they may learn the language quickly. And I pray that you will work in their spirit so that as they they live in community with people around them, the people around them see in them something wonderful and something sweet and something good. 
And I pray, Father, that you give them courage in the nights of fear. I pray that you give them wisdom in the moments of decision. And I pray, Father, that you're already preparing people there who will be their friends and their emissaries, their bridges to the people around them. We know your spirit goes before them. We know your spirit is already there. We pray that you will help them walk the path into the future the spirit is already preparing. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who has poured out the Holy Spirit, and the one who is at your right hand, we pray. Amen. Thank you. In the future, we will remember this day. Good. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit uppity to think that you can preach the Sermon on the Mount. It's already been preached, and by one who was pretty good. It's already been written, the text is written, and perhaps the best way to read, to, to preach the Sermon on the Mount is just to read it and sit down. Usually there's an amen there. I was sort of waiting for it. Uh, Michael, you were asleep at the amen switch at that point. Yeah, you'll have to make that up later. Thank you, sir. But the Sermon on the Mount is sort of boiled down preaching, I think. I think Jesus said all these things. He may have said them all at once. But in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, one of the things we have to remember is that Matthew is presenting Jesus as the new Moses. And so it is significant that the first major teaching in the Gospel of Matthew comes from the mounts. And the people are gathered and they listen. It's also significant that in the Gospel of Matthew there are five sermons. There is a decalogue of sermons that is here uh, paralleling Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These five great messages of Moses. Jesus is the new Moses. But he doesn't come to do what Moses did. He comes to fulfill what Moses did in many ways. And so to, to take this message and ruminate on it a bit, to think about it a bit, to expand it a bit is, is all right. And so we've heard the Beatitudes. Jesus wants to begin with this notion that the people who follow him and are his disciples are moving into a place of happiness and joyfulness and blessedness. You'll hear this word translated a lot of different ways. Years ago, the Archbishop of Cyprus, I think, was Archbishop Makarios. And that's the word. Blessed. Blessed. Makarios. Blessed. And so you have this sense that Jesus is gathering these people around him and saying, I don't know what your experience is in your walk with God. But I want to tell you, it is possible to have a walk with God that has this lightness to it, this joyfulness to it, this sense of blessedness to it. 
Now, in any assembly, any given Sunday, somebody is having a horrible day. It's just true. It's always a challenge when you're preaching is that if you preach a sermon that is down in the depths of despair and doing lamentations, somebody is having a great day. And if you preach on the Beatitudes, somebody's had a horrible day. And so if this Beatitude language isn't for you today, today may not be your day. Or maybe at 1050 10, 10, it's not your time. We'll get to you here in a minute, probably. But the things that Jesus say are blessings, are challenges. And if you list these, as we read them a while ago, hungering and thirsting, being poor, mourning, meekness, um, being pure, Seeking peace, being merciful, being willing to take hard times for the sake of the faith. That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. And so at the end of these blessings, Jesus is telling people, you have the ability to become something that you have not been able to imagine. Now I want us to think about that a little bit. When you are challenging somebody to think about God, when you're challenging somebody to think about Jesus, there may be a notion that you have to become less of a person to believe in God. Or you may have to become less of a person, less of a, a thinker, less of a, a, an identity in order to believe in Jesus. But it may not surprise you that the teachings of Jesus recorded in Scripture say, that's not right. That that's not actually the way it will turn out. The way it will turn out if you follow Jesus is that your life will become greater Your life will become more abundant. Your life will become more blessed. Your life will become more. Isn't that at least the beginning of a good invitation? And Jesus wants to say something about this in chapter 5. And I'm going to preach all of chapter 5. But all I'm going to say in all of chapter 5 is this. Jesus is teaching in, John, in Matthew chapter 5 that the, the days of being religious, being just the addition of some habits and practices, is over. And the day of being before God and actually becoming organically, spiritually, substantially in yourself a different kind of person is here. And Jesus appears to be excited about it. He says, you blessed people, you're going to be salt and light. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But, but this notion that you're going to be different in your essence, 
Not just different in your shell. The people back then had become very aware of how keeping the law could be a shell. 600 and something rules. To be a Pharisee, you keep the rules. You keep the rules by the letter of the law. And as Jesus will say, uh, you can hate but not murder. You can lust but not commit adultery. You, you can swear but not tell the truth. You can love some and hate others and it'll be just fine. That sounds a little bit like the world we live in. That you can keep the law and be any kind of person you want to. As long as you live under the rule of law and keep all of the externals going, then you can hate in your heart and boil in your heart and, and, and be ugly on your Facebook. You know, you can do all that stuff because Facebook and all that doesn't count. Yet. And so that notion of being a person with a skin deep identity is one that has been embraced by much of the culture Jesus is talking to. And many people believe, for good reason, that the Christian faith as practiced in the world is a skin deep faith. That there's religious language, there's religious prejudices, there's religious attitude, but it's all out here in a pseudo-societal political expression that is skin deep, but everybody underneath that is basically all the same ugly person. Facades, veneers, appearances can be what life is about so that your choice in life is not about who you are going to be but who you are going to seem to be. Jesus says that the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of the rule of heaven is that you are now going to have the privilege of becoming something. Of actually becoming something. So he says, let me read um, more. I, I was thankful for Sharon reading what she did. But let's pick up the last verse of 16 in Matthew chapter 5 as you're reading your phone or your Bible or your pad or you're remembering it. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and pray your Father in heaven. Don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, 
not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is telling these people gathered around on the Sea of Galilee, here we are, 60, 70 miles from the temple in Jerusalem, and I'm telling you folks, fishermen and shopkeepers and moms and dads, you've got the, you've got the capacity to have a greater goodness, a greater holiness, a greater righteousness than all of the Pharisees that are huddled around the temple making rules. You're going to be better than the Sadducees. You're going to be more holy than the Essenes. You're going to be more right than the Zealots. You're going to be better. I don't know how they heard that. But imagine what it would be like to be sitting in church somewhere in central Texas on a Sunday morning and to hear someone say that Jesus believes we have the capacity for great goodness. That we have the capacity for great love. That we have the capacity for great God-likeness. And that seeming to be is not nearly as good as becoming. And then he he goes through the things I was talking about a bit ago. He goes through these test cases. And he does so with a form, you have heard it said that. You have heard it said to people long ago, do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the hell of fire. And so if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go up and be reconciled to your brother, then offer your gift Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge can hand you over to the officer, and you can be thrown into prison. And I tell you the truth, you'll not get out till you've paid the last penny. Jesus says that anger and aggression is not the way of life. Much of our world is, is lived in a predatory environment. Much of our world is structured by who gets to say how stupid the other person is. Much of our world is structured by the, the, the volleyball of you fool. 
And Jesus says that there's a different way of life and it's a way where the peacemaker lives and it's a way where the meek live and it's a way where the pure live. It's a place where those who hunger and thirst after righteousness don't hunger and thirst after power, advantage, and revenge. It's different. And it's down in the essence of who you are becoming. He says that you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully is already committing adultery with her in his heart. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. Again, you have heard that it was said by the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you've made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so you may be children of your Father in heaven. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. That's the rhetorical form in this section of chapter 5. You've heard it said to you. Do you want to stop a minute and go back and think about all of the things you've been told by those who are the, you've been, you've heard it said people? You you want to go back and listen to all that? Years ago, there was a, a book called Looking Out for Number One. And one of the chapters in that book was The Clerk is a Jerk. And it talked about how to go in and do shopping already angry because you're not going to get your way. You might as well just load up and get angry and incensed because if you don't start out your day full of yourself and full of your own self-protective anger, you're not going to get what you deserve. You've heard it said. You've heard it said. And much of what we have heard said, much of what we are hearing said, is wrong at the core. It's wrong at the heart. And there are a lot of Christian flags flying over things that don't deserve the name of Jesus. Because they are protecting the high ground of what has been said, but not what Jesus said. And one of our great privileges as Christians in the kingdom of God is to listen for the voice of Jesus. And become not a part of the great... Christian right 
or Christian left or Christian up or Christian down, some sociological phenomenon, some political entity. Our great task is to become people who are formed at the very core of our existence, not by what has been said, but by what Jesus is saying. It matters how you talk. It matters how you look. It matters how you react. It matters how you tell the truth. It matters how you love. And we need to lean into that last one just a bit. You have heard it said, verse 43, or 2, depending on which eye I'm looking out of. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, mature, grown, even as your heavenly Father is perfect, mature, grown. As we think about the present future church, the church that we would take from this moment into the future that God prepares for us. We have committed to be a church that has as its great vision to continue the ministry of Jesus in the way of Jesus. And that leads us to a mission, a clear and unmuddied mission of loving God and loving others. And the very core of loving others sits here at the end of Matthew chapter 5. That Jesus says, my father, he knows his father. My father has been blessing those who love him for millennia. And he's been blessing those who don't. Right alongside. He sends his reign on the just and the just awful. God has an unbridled love. So some of the times the the question that comes to churches is the question of who have you decided to love and, and whom have you decided not to love? What is your love boundary? 
Because we've got churches with this kind of love boundary and that kind of love boundary. What's your love boundary? Well, in the great attempt to make the Christian faith simple, and with the notion, and we'll steal a little bit out of this, out of Matthew 7, with the notion that in order to make the Christian faith simple, you make it as much like Jesus as possible. Just make it as much like Jesus as possible and leave out what everybody else thinks along the side of that. That the boundaries of the love of the church that belongs to Jesus can only be the boundaries of the love of God. Who has God loved? There's no one that stands outside the circle of God's love. And the circle of God's love is so large, we don't have to elbow anybody out for us to stand in. No one has to be Excluded for us to be included. And if God chooses to say to someone, I don't love you anymore, which you won't, that would be God's choice, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> That, that would be a decision way above my pay grade. But is this, isn't it weird how many religious people decide who God won't love? As if they've been given the gift of love exclusion. And so you have this sense of being salt. This is salt. This is salt. But this isn't the way salt is actually used, usually. Usually you put it in a shaker. And then you can... Don't look, Marvin. I thought you were going to be gone still. Marvin's back. That's, a, that's an announcement. And a subtle warning. But... Um, we missed you guys. And the Kincaids are back after going around the world, I think. But salt is meant to do this. You see that? Should I do it one more time? Salt's not worth anything in this box. Salt's not worth anything like this. Except for display? We're the salt that's been sprinkled into the world. We're the light that's been shining into the darkness. It is a great joy.
Now we go back to the Beatitudes. Blessed. Blessed. Are those who are poor in the matters of this world, but rich toward God. Blessed are those who mourn. For they get comfort. Blessed are the meek. They inherit the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because they will be filled. Blessed. Blessed are the pure in heart who in purity speak purity, look purity, act purity, speak love. Blessed are those who are merciful. Merciful. Look out in the world and go, there's somebody that's just having a really hard time. Their mercy shows up. A certain woman that I won't give her name except she read scripture today um, came walking in with this big pair of shoes on Wednesday and they were size 13s. She'd run into somebody who didn't have the right shoes. So here she is walking in with shoes. Blessed are the merciful. So, let us hear the word of Jesus who's saying, I did not come to look like the Savior, but to be one. I didn't come to pass out crosses without going to one. And I'm inviting you to come out of the most authentic part of your heart and follow me. And together we will be the people of God in the world. If you're not in Christ, then I hope you can think of the idea of being in Christ in this way of joining this kingdom of joining this way of being don't become a Christian the way you've seen it misdone and parodied and all that we wouldn't invite you to that and maybe it's audacious to claim that we're inviting you not to that but it's our intent Goodness, goodness, we want to do it right. Come to Jesus. Let's stand and sing.